Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another Locked On Wolves podcast. My name is Zachary Bennett. I'm here with my producer, Tom Schreier, co-founder of ColdOmaha.com, covers the Timberwolves and basically anything else Minnesota sports over at ColdOmaha.com, where you will find a post from me today that will briefly review everything we're about to talk about. So excited for it. Written work, audio content. Yeah. Tom says he's excited for it with a a wicked grin on his face. Just uh, just because usually I, I don't deliver. I haven't been delivering, but that all changes today. Anyway, audio content, written content. Uh, you can find it on Cold Omaha. This is uh, Locked On Wolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I'm just going to run through what happened at today's practice. Tom, you were busy doing other jobs and, and doing other things. So I am just going to uh, begin and then we'll reflect together. How does that? I love it. Reflection. There was an update on Ricky Rubio. Tom Thibodeau offered an update on Ricky Rubio today at practice no more than an hour or so ago. Rubio fell uh, with an injury at the six-and-a-half-minute mark of the fourth quarter of Saturday's loss to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, The Timberwolves are calling it a sprained elbow. Initially, the PR department said it would, uh, Ricky would undergo an evaluation on that right, uh, on that elbow. Yesterday, that didn't happen. Tom Thibodeau today said that, uh, that that evaluation will now occur tonight. Right now, it's a sprain. And he's uh, he's going to see a doctor tonight, so we'll have more information after he gets evaluated this evening. Is he generally a little more minor in nature than maybe? Well, we're hopeful, but you know, you know, I don't want to say something, and I'm you know speaking out of school. I just want to make sure that you know let the doctor you know make the determination. I'm not a doctor, Tom. Are you a doctor? I am not. My brother's pre med, so I am. There have been some comments on some threads. Uh, Within some Wolves-centric websites, Candace Hoopas, I'll name names, uh, that say you know sprained elbows, maybe two weeks, although I don't think there's been anything official or any sort of hint from a team official or yeah. any doctor that I've seen. You know, These are blogger doctors I'm talking about. I don't think there's any timeline yet, not even an amoebic timeline. I have no idea how long Rubio will be out, but we should know more tomorrow after shoot-around. Yeah, I thought I saw two to three weeks on like a notification from ESPN, but you always oh, know. Oh, then it must be true. Yeah, but you always know this is open speculation. I think Tom Thibodeau's smart to be like, look, I'm not a doctor and this is complicated stuff. And even doctors don't always get this right. You know, I mean, these injuries are obviously are complicated. And Rubio certainly, I mean, that one injury, what was that, that ankle sprain? Dragged on and on and on that year. And remember, Flip came out and he's like, Dr. Suhan, I got something to say for Dr. Suhan here. You know, like, remember that? And he had the purple foot and the yeah, toes yeah. all curled that, and that stuff. Was, that was the year the the most covert tank job ever in the history of the NBA. Right. Maybe not even a tank job. Who's to say? But who do you think will start in Rubio's place? Tom Thibodeau gave no indication of that today. I Next man up. You're, you don't get here by accident. If you're here, you're a great player. 
get in there and get the job done. You have to know what your job is and then go out there and do your job. Uh, we have more than enough to win with, so we just have to find a way to get it done. Would you, would you expect that, that the Lucas could play if, uh, if Richard's not I, I expect that everyone could play. And that's the end of that. So very, I mean, it sounded as though yeah. I mean, you, don't, you don't get here by accident. Sure, maybe you're talking about Tyus Jones, but you could also be talking about any of the professional basketball players on the roster. If I had to take an educated guess here, first of all, I feel like these are always opportunities for coach to play their their you know cards close to the vest because obviously there's advanced scouts and, and people, it would be an advantage just like in football where there's always that questionable that no one really knows what that means. Um I think in this case, I doubt it's going to be Tyus. I know there's been some talk that you know John Lucas III played under Thibodeau, and he's kind of here as a mentor, and maybe for situations like this. But I, if I'm I'm Tibbs, and I'm eventually it's going to come to a head whether you want to go with Chris Dunn or Ricky Rubio. This would be the time to say, hey, look, this is a guy who an anonymous scout in Sports Illustrated said should be the number one pick. So I think he'd have an opportunity. You make a good point with John Lucas. That would be. The theoretical option, yeah. if you're playing, you know, if you're trying to sort of be contrary and barbarian, but yeah. I think it's Chris Dunn. Yeah, uh, for one, John Lucas and Tyus Jones haven't played a minute yet this season. Yeah, and you know, this is you know, Chris Dunn is the point guard of the future. That's it. Yeah. So this is when he steps in, unless you think he'll uh, start John Lucas or Tyus Jones for 18 games until that 20 game mark, and then have. Chris Dunn fill in. Of course, that is me making a funny uh, regarding a, a certain column from Adrian Wojnarowski right. written and, and published within the last week or so. I'm not sure. How comfortable do you think Dunn is taking over this starting point guard role? Uh, I think I've been getting a lot of good minutes. You know, I've been playing in, uh, you know, some tough situations the last two games. And, you know, that's the type of games I like to play in. So, you know, uh, if Ricky, you know, if he don't have the chance to play tomorrow night or any other games that go further along, you know, I'm, I just have to step up and be ready. Dunn did take over for Rubio after Rubio went out in the loss to Sacramento. And I have the numbers. After Rubio went out, the Wolves outscored the Kings 16-10 to 10 during that stretch. Wow. They were unable to get it done. Due to an abysmal third quarter performance in which the Kings went on a 24 to 1 run, I did look up between the the 10 minute mark, the 10 minute 40 second mark, and like the 4 minute and 30 second mark when Gorgie Zhang went out because he had picked up two quick fouls early in that third quarter. Uh, Cole Aldrich went in, and I thought Cole Aldrich did a decent job of defending DeMarcus Cousins about as well as you could ask your backup center to do. But the offense sputtered. They committed six turnovers that the Kings turned into 18 points. They outscored the Wolves 18-6 to six during that stretch, and the Wolves were just unable to make it up. But you know, it, it isn't so much an indictment on how well Cole Aldridge played defense or how well Gorgie played defense when he was in the game. Uh, it isn't a compliment of, of Gorgie's defense. I'm sorry. But you know, the offense was unable to uh, get anything going. Instead, committing turnovers, live ball turnovers that resulted in easy points for the Kings the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, one thing I noticed, I think I covered every Kings game at Target Center last year. And when you see it in person and even on TV, you notice, A, how much bigger DeMarcus Cousins is than like a Jang, just just body-wise. And now, obviously, they've bulked up a little bit, but I still don't think they have a guy to lock down a player like that. Also, Rudy Gay and Wiggins is almost comical. Like, Wiggins is just so kind of lanky. 
and Rudy Gay is just a man. You know what I mean? And, and that's the one thing. I, a one, grown man. Yeah, he's just a grown man. And I think when Tibbs looked at this team, I'm sure he said, given his mentality, I think he's, he likes that kind of bulldog defense. I'm sure he's looking for more you know, Chris Dunn type players who are just big physical guys who are not going to get bossed around in there. Not that you're always going to put an Andrew Wiggins on your team, but um, my guess is down low they're going to, especially with Jeng, probably he's probably going to be expensive going forward. My guess is they'll kind of look around, whether it's the draft or maybe even a trade scenario, um, trying to get someone kind of big and bulky down you know, down there. Because even T- Towns is big, but he's not. he doesn't have that Cousins kind of size. The NBA season is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person. Download the SeatGeek app on your phone and use it to find the best deals on every ticket in the house and stadiums around the country, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside with the beautiful people, club seats with the other beautiful people, or, you know, in the upper level, which is fine. Regardless of where you want to sit, the SeatGeek app will help you get there at the most affordable price. To those of you who listen to the Locked On Wolves podcast, you'll get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase when you download the SeatGeek app. When you do that, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, and enter the promo code L-O-WOLVES. That's L-O-W-O-L-V-E-S. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code L-O-WOLVES to get in on that action and get yourself a discount on a on a game, an upcoming game, probably a Timberwolves game, that you want to see. Now back to the show. Uh, funny that you mentioned that. The deadline, the deadline to extend rookie contracts, that of Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang, is 11.59 p.m. Eastern time tonight. As of now, there there is no deal in place, although Tibbs did talk about that today, and I will play that audio for you. Right about now. Three primary scores. They have to share a responsibility of making the right plays. Extension deadline today for a couple guys. You know, when you're in the season and you're running practice and scouting other teams, how involved can you be in that process? Well, it's a, you know, you hopefully you have a well thought out plan. So, you know, you plan for everything, and you know, we. It's not like we just found out yesterday when the deadline was. So. Uh, you know, when, you know, I've been through this before as a coach, so I sort of have an understanding of, you know, in some ways it's an unusual time to have a deadline because you've started practice. But, you know, it's you deal with it, and, you know, hopefully something can get done. It is true what Thibodeau says. They've known about the deadline. They've had every opportunity this summer to get a deal done, and the fact that they haven't gotten a deal done yet might be an indication that neither – a uh, player will receive a, an extension offer. I'm going to look that up throughout the show, and then we can touch more about that later. You watched the Kings game. I did. It was much like the loss to Memphis, disappointing, and that the Wolves blew an 18-point lead, uh, outdoing themselves by a whole point from yeah. uh, the 17-point lead that they gave up in Memphis. This was sort of, I think, more disappointing if you're a Wolves fan because the The lead they gave up was during the third quarter, as I mentioned before. It wasn't an early lead that you almost expect to lose when teams go go out to an early lead. Basketball is a game of runs, so that happens. But to play as poorly as they did during that third quarter was was disappointing. They almost got back into it. Andrew Wiggins hit, I think he was like five of six from the field in high screen and roll situations with Towns uh, late in the game. And 
there was an adjustment that I will include on a post today at coldomaha.com that I I noted on Twitter yesterday. The way that they defended the high screen and rolls, they were putting Boogie in position to go around. Uh, They were using Towns as the screener at the top of the key, so Boogie would have to follow him, and then Wiggins was either blowing right by him or pulling up and shooting over him. Jaeger had seen enough after like four consecutive scores that made the game 100 to 102. And he calls timeout, and the next time the Wolves try to run that play, Towns goes to set the screen for Wiggins, and Matt Barnes trails him. So they actually had two. They had Rudy Gay and Matt Barnes, two athletic perimeter defenders, making sure that they could have one of them switch on to Wiggins to prevent dribble penetration. And it worked. So shouts to Minnesota native Dave Yorger for coming up with a plan to to stop what had been working for the Wolves previously. I looked it up, and Towns this season, when used as the role man in screen and roll situations, hold on, I better, I was going to recite it from memory, but I might as well just look. Um, there's been six possessions. He's, uh, the team is four of six shooting in those possessions and scoring at uh, 66.7% rate. So pretty well. Uh, when Towns is used as the screener. And I know there's been some chatter on the Twitterverse and even among media pundits today at practice, is Towns doing enough? And, yeah, well, Thibodeau talked about it today. Carl getting enough touches, and I guess how it relates to maybe him getting to the free throw. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, if you look at, you know, the game dictates who gets the shot. Like, you know, in, in in the fourth quarter, if you're running pick and roll with, you know, uh, uh, Wig and Carl, you know, I don't know who gets the shot. It depends on what the defense does. I want, you know, if you have the ball in your hands, you have the responsibility to make the right play. And so if they if they trap, hit the open man, and Carl gets more shots. Like right now, Carl's making plays. You know, he's getting a lot of attention. The second defender is coming. He's averaging over four assists a game. So um, I think that the game dictates that. You know, just because if you call a player's number doesn't necessarily mean that it's his shot it's his play to make the play so you have to read the defense but I think the big thing for us is to get stopped so we can get into the open floor and then in transition I don't it's whoever is open if we get a layup that's what we're striving for first and then the open three or attack to get to the free throw line those are the shots so you get the gist of what he's saying Towns in this game well on the season six possessions that NBA has quantified as using him as the role man. And I think I think at least three or four of them of the six were in this Kings game. The Wolves are four of six from the field, scoring one and a half points per possession when Towns is used as the roller. It's a very small sample, so it's an effective small sample. It shows that Towns isn't doing nothing. He's setting the screen, drawing the attention of the defense. Like Tibbs said just now, uh, has roughly four assists per game. I mean, making plays for teammates, it's not something we're not used to seeing from him, but you know, I, I think with the hype that the Wolves built up throughout the summer, people were expecting more from Carl Anthony Towns. Although it's only been two games, and you know, just wait, wait and see. Yeah, I think it's really easy to overreact to, especially when two games are so similar, right? When you have two games where they blow leads, I think there's an expectation too that Towns is just going to take over, and he, while he's a special player probably plays best in kind of a system right when he's put in certain places in the floor and whatnot um it's not like he's a ball dominant guard or something like that but yeah 
I, I think the right they have the right mentality there, and I think that maybe in Tibbs' case, remember he went from a 500 team to a 62 win team in Chicago. He's still got to you know, and these players have to carry themselves from a 29 win team to 41 if they're going to hit the Vegas odds or whatever that people are talking about. So um, I think things like this will happen. And like I said, I I think you guys actually did a good job on Wolves Wired being like. Don't panic. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, nobody. We're, we're, we're fine. fine. This is fine. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, the Wolves will have a chance on Tuesday, tomorrow, to redeem themselves against Memphis. Uh, they play at Target Center. You'll be there covering yep. the game. Where can people find you on Twitter? At T S C H R E I E R three. That is solid. Now that you can spell that, yeah. No, difficult to to spell, but yeah, you can see it on the website too, coldoma.com. We'll have. Uh, in-depth coverage. Uh, I'll definitely get stuff out from the locker room. Locker room video. Locker room video taken from my my special cell phone. And uh, um, and yeah, no, I I think it's the the nice thing is because they started on the road, they can maybe use this if this is important to the team mentally and say, look, we can kind of wipe the slate clean a little bit. Obviously, they still have the two losses on the record, but mentally, kind of reset and be like, look, we can you know have a performance here at home maybe that sets the tone for the rest of the year and the best thing you can see in these games is that look they really should have won them right they were that much better and i and i some of it's probably mental lapses some of it's probably personnel where as much as this is an accomplished team i still think you know they probably could use a shooting guard that's a knockdown shooter and like i said they could use a what little bit Zach of beef. levine I, I like i mean that's a very good point i think the defensive element has to be there so if levine can can play how Tibbs would want him to play defense. Levine can play that role. If not, I think he's a six-man off the bench who's kind of a change-of-pace guy or kind of spurs the offense. And as much as I I like the Cole Aldrich addition and Jang and Towns having those guys down there, there's still players in the league that are bigger than them. And, And really the sad part of it is a Nikola Pekovic, right? That kind of size player would actually be a very big asset right now in the Wolves. I'm going to go ahead and disagree well reserving the right to change my mind. Levine looks pretty set at the starting shooting guard spot. I don't see anything alarming defensively as of yet through two games that would make me change my mind. I think he's solidified his spot there. And that might be I first of all I'm I'm pro Levine. This is not coming from a place of wanting to see him fail or having said he's going to fail in the past and have to back myself cautiously up cautiously optimistic you sound. Cautiously cautiously optimistic is exactly it. Um certainly offensively he's there. And it seems like I also like having an irrational confidence player and that's what Levine is, right? Levine is convinced he can hit any shot at any time. Um and yeah, get to the basket when he wants to. There's never been a shot he's taken that he doesn't like. And to be fair, we were talking about Muhammad and what you do with him. I feel like with Jeng, I think the question is, I think Gorgie Jeng's agent's telling him, look, I can get you a big contract, whether it comes in Minnesota or somewhere else. I think with Muhammad, it's not only who is he as a player, that's the question obviously on defense a little bit, but also where does he fit with the Wolves? If Levine's your starting shooter guard, he's actually the sixth man who comes out the bench, change of pace, slasher, spurs the offense. If Levine can't play well defensively, and you brought up a good point, I think Tips with both Levine and, and Muhammad maybe has gotten through to him a little bit, and they're playing better defense. But if Levine's is not up, up to snuff, he's actually the sixth man, in which case you go, what's Muhammad's role then going for? I have breaking news. Go ahead. Mark J. Spears, at M-A-R-C, J. Spears, ESPN on Twitter. Timberwolves and forward Shabazz Muhammad are far apart on contract negotiations with eight hours to go. There you go. 
isn't he he go he goes on to say Muhammad will be a restricted free agent next summer with no contract extension. So so my my question there is they're basically by hitting restricted free agency, they're allowing teams around the league to offer him a contract. To offer him a contract, which takes the work out of it if you're Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau. You know, what do What's other what value? do other teams value him and should we match that? It would it be responsible? What are we and, getting? And still in their head probably is Muhammad's a little bit older than kind of their star players. Probably in the back of their head still will be okay, how do we have enough cap room for Wiggins Towns, Levine if he's part of the big picture, right? And if you have to include Jang, you know what I mean? That that there may be a team that throws a lot at Muhammad. I think forever people were saying the Kings, like kind of a team that just hoards talent or whatever. Um, there may be someone who just goes, yeah, you there, know what? somebody will offer them. Yeah. So I, Tyler Johnson in Miami was offered fifty million by the Brooklyn Nets. Ultimately, Miami matched. But have you heard of Tyler Johnson? Right. I mean, and even there was. I know who Mike Conley is, but isn't Mike Conley like yeah. the highest paid? Yeah. That's I mean, almost like a, a you know different sports situation. It's almost like a Sam Bradford type deal. It's very loose comparison. It just happens to be at the point in time where we are with the NBA and, and right. it just so happens that Mike Conley was the But guy. I'm saying I think someone probably has more money to spend than the Wolves do because they may just have less talent in the on their team, even though the Wolves aren't literally paying the money just yet. For obvious reasons, you're not going to handicap yourself by giving Muhammad a big contract and losing Wiggins, for example. You know what I mean? That just would be stupid. Or or a Levine. If, and like I said, I think I think it's it comes down to if Levine buys in completely, I gotta imagine Thibodeau can mold him. If Levine is kind of aloof or just irrationally confident, even off the court, it's not gonna happen. I don't think. I know earlier today, Oklahoma City and their center Stephen Adams were quote unquote making significant progress on a four-year, one hundred million dollar contract extension. That's according to Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo Sports. You could, in a way, use that as a benchmark. Uh, for what Jang could get, yeah. Uh, Derek James on Twitter says Jang uh, you know, gets at least eighty for four. The accuracy of that, I'm not sure, but it just gives you an idea about how you can take that. What Stephen Adams got, yeah. You can compare and contrast projection, the role to the team. I mean, it just gives you an idea of what Jang could sign for with the Wolves if the Wolves wanted to offer him some money. Now, I'm sure the pitch to Jang would include the, "Hey, look, we have all these young and upcoming stars that we're going to have to pay around you." If you want to be part of something, part of what we're growing, part of what you've been with for the last three seasons, maybe you talk them into taking less money. But the Wolves do have, are, are pretty good as far as uh, cap situation goes. I don't think, and I know uh, nothing's really transpired between now and, and the summer when we've talked about this on the Wolves Wired podcast yeah. plenty of times. I don't think there's any reason to believe that those big three, if you're going to call them that, Towns, Wiggins, Zach Levine. I don't think there's any reason to believe that the Wolves won't find a way to retain him if they've all lived up to their potential and uh, are showing that they're on the trajectory that you know, we expect them. To. So, so my question to you, because this is looking really far forward, Jang is good right now, and I like him as a player. Is he the guy who plays besides Towns on a team that does a deep run into the playoffs? I think he. I think he could. I mean, in the Kings game, he uh, he got into some foul trouble, but he. Was five of nine from the field, scored fourteen points. He led the team in plus minus, positive fifteen. The Kings did most of their damage when Zhang was out of the game. I think he's a pretty integral piece of what they're doing. And yeah. although, although it, 
it comes down to you know what are you going to demand, Gorji Zhang? What are you are you going to hamper us? But again, there's someone the who's going to give him a lot of money right? in restricted free agency, totally. And so, so my thought is, I like Zhang off the bench against bigger lineups and using a small ball lineup. The issue is, do you have that luxury if you're giving him tons of money, right, near max contracts? And I feel like, again, that's that's what the Wolves are going to run into. I think the best thing that they have in place is. Every player now who joins the Minnesota Timberwolves knows who's making executive decisions and who their coach is. And not only that, but it's it's the same guy. You're going to have one interview with Thibodeau probably to be like, look, for this to work, everyone can't get a max contract, right? And I think it's going to, for Muhammad and Chang and these guys, I think it's going to come down to, do I want to make as much money as possible, which is fine, and maybe get some more minutes? Or do I want to be part of a winning formula, in which case Muhammad for sure is coming off the bench and Jeng is probably used situationally. That's not saying he's not a good player. I think it's just saying there are literally physical limitations to his size. And in the playoffs, seven-game series, I mean, that's what they're going to exploit. If it's, a, if it's a team with big bodies, and think about it, these teams that they played to start with, Memphis always seen as kind of like there were, yeah, bigger teams. Memf- yeah, Memphis and Sacramento, that's yeah. a very good point. Memphis and Sacramento both... Yeah, Sacramento has too many centers, and then they drafted one. Of course. Again, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, with Memphis, Marcus All and Zach Randolph. Yep. Be, uh, who, who did they? Jermichael Green, also. Jermichael Green started at power forward for them. And he's smaller, more of a Bielitsa, but as we saw at the end of last season, I thought, I thought Gorgie did a rel- relatively good job at switching out in that Warriors game was, was one. I know Shabazz Muhammad played a lot of uh, the small ball four, and Gorgie didn't get a lot of minutes, but Gorgie's been a competent defender, but you're right, he can totally get exploited. And that's why you said, I'm sure, you know, it goes into your argument that he would be a nice center to have with the second unit, being able to distribute the ball and things like that, especially with... Uh, yeah, and I think technically, he's a technically sound defender. It's under- not like... Underrated passer. Right. You know? It, it, I think there's a lot to like with him. But in the same sense, it's like, I like Bielitsa. I don't expect him to defend bigger players. You know I mean? There's just certain guys I don't think he can defend. And with Muhammad, I do like that he's buying in. But even though he's kind of big, there are kind of limitations there. I'm just saying, I'm looking at it kind of a size-wise thing, and, and people go, why is this team 0-2 when you know, Vegas has him at 42, 40, you know, 41, 42 wins, and there's all this hype locally, and even nationally I've seen a lot written about them. And I kind of look, you know what, it may be a matchup issue, and that's fine. It's just your goal is not just to win in the regular season or get to a winning record, although that's the immediate goal. The goal is to, in any seven game, any given seven-game series, you can beat any kind of team. And Thibodeau has said this from the beginning, right? He likes the versatility, all that. We heard that in the offseason. So yeah. my guess is that's running through his head right now. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how often he uses Shabazz as the small ball four. I think yeah. Baz is a good player, although I can see it the other way. I can see how a change in scenery would do him some good. I mean, he's playing for his third coach, uh, fourth coach, actually, because Rick, I mean, he yeah. was here when Adelman was here and he was hidden on the bench. Yeah. Same thing with Gorgie Zhang really early in the season until later. So, I mean, sometimes changes of scene. Change, a change in scenery will do players well, and I think that could apply to Muhammad. Well, and I especially think it would apply to Muhammad more than Jang specifically. I think in the context of what the Wolves have built, Jang fits in a lot better than Shabazz does, even when you take into account the, the positions that they play and everything like that. I, I agree. Like I said, the best thing that could happen for the Wolves is for Levine to just lock down the two. And then you're telling Muhammad you're par- you're a important part of a championship team or a team with championship aspirations and talent because on the other side if I'm another GM and I just need talent 
I'm going, I'm going to give you as many minutes as possible and give you every opportunity to prove yourself. And if I'm the Wolves, I go, well, yeah, but we got Wiggins and Levine and stuff. I mean, we just got players that have proven to have higher upside. So um, he's inter- they're both interesting players. The, the Wolves, it'll be a, you know, one last note on this. It'll be a hectic free agency next year. There's a lot of uh, free agents becoming available who, you know, set set this up with their previous contracts, knowing that the cap was going to explode and it would be in their favor financially to become free agents next season when they will. So you can always explore free agency too. How, yeah. how many more options are better than Muhammad next season? You know, maybe someone can compile a list. There's a content idea. Right. Compile a list of of upcoming, you know, impending players, wing players specifically, uh, wh- who will who are becoming free agents uh, after the end of this season. I just want to play because I prepared it and I was there and I knew when I heard it that I wanted to play it. I'm going to play some audio of Wiggins and how he feels about uh, Chris Dunn potentially taking over the starting role. I say potentially because no one has confirmed it yet. We don't know how long yep. Ricky Rubio will be in, uh, out, if if he will be out at all, although it seems as though the Wolves would be wise to uh, have a contingency plan in place because Rubio did not practice today. Do what, I, do what I gotta do. What have you seen out of Dunn in the first couple of games that that lets you gives you an idea of how he'll play if he has to start tomorrow for Ricky? Pardon me. Dunn, your uh, purchase on him a couple. I think he's gonna be solid. You know, when you come to the game, he don't you don't make no mistakes. You know, he doesn't play bad. Great defender. You know, get his hands on everything. You know, pushes the ball. So we're not. I think I think he's ready. You know, I don't think we're gonna lose nothing, especially with me, Cat, and Zach on the floor from and Gorgie. I think it'll, it'll be good. Next man up. Yeah. Chris Dunn. I expect him to start tomorrow. I definitely think it's the right idea. First of all, that's totally a Tibbs mentality, right? You know, you think of him kind of, he's almost like a, a football coach in some ways that he likes the physicality and kind of this, just the mentality he has. And and I like to hear it. You you can hear it in his players, right? You try to mold your players in the, in the way that you think. And so it's important. Not that Wiggins is going to make personnel decisions, but that he's on board with it in some ways. I think because his his scoring is often predicated on the on the success of the team around him, just like any other player. But I I, I would go with Dunn. You have Lucas the Third as kind of an emergency if you really just need a rudder to kind of get things spinning in the right direction, and if you kind of need the athleticism or whatever, you go with Tyus. But if you're Chris Dunn, I think you go. I'm going to seize this opportunity. He definitely looks better now, even than he did a couple of days ago Way in the preseason, better. right? Way yeah. Um, and so, if I'm him, drafted as high as he is, and also just his mentality. I mean, I think just hearing him on the phone on draft night, there was no lack of confidence. It wasn't a cockiness and like kind of a, almost like something you hear from a kid or whatever, like a college kid. It was just I'm ready for NBA, and if he is, he needs to perform now. Almost. Shades of Zach Levine confidence. Yeah, I always feel like Zach Levine it's, it's borders different. on that irrational confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but he fits that well. He he, he rocks it well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, big opportunity for him. And I just, if I'm Tom Thibodeau, I think this makes decisions easy for him because if Dunn all of a sudden takes over. I think what happens is then you also don't lose the fan base who go, man. There's a lot of fans that love Ricky Rubio. We notice how quickly things change over you. You know, looking at the Vikings analogy, people love Teddy Bridgewater, right? But there were questions about him as soon as Sam Bradford came in and started, you know, rocketing passes all around the field. 
you know, who's Teddy Bridgewater. This is this is the sad reality of sports. People, you know, will jump on bandwagon, bandwagon with teams and also with players. We might as well give shouts to the Locked On Vikings podcast hosted yeah. by Sam Ekstrom. I know he had former NFL quarterback Sage, Sage Rosenfels on today. I was talking to him at the studios here. Yep. Cumulus Studios in Town, Minneapolis. So check out the Locked On Vikings podcast with Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfeld. If you are a Viking fan, if not, stick with us here at Locked On Wolves. The the Dunn, the difference in Dunn shooting from the preseason to the regular season, unbelievable. I know he shot, uh, he was one of 10 from three-point range in the preseason. And I have it now. Totals uh, 12 of 53 from the field overall, which... Uh, equates to a 22.6 field goal. I mean, percentage. I texted you. I said, what happened? He goes, you were like, Dunn can't shoot. And I was like... Uh, <laughs> he wasn't shooting uh-oh. well at all during the preseason. Yeah, which it was like, is a interesting. And this season thus far, in 35 minutes, he's 5 of 8 from the field. He scored 12 points. He's tallied 5 assists. Uh, a lot of this production of his has came in the Kings game, in which Dunn was 1 of 2 from the field. He was 1 of... He made his only attempt from 3. He scored four points and had four assists. So if you're not a good shooter, don't shoot. Find a way to get your teammates involved. Uh, he's got a plethora of scores in the starting lineup with him if he does, does end up starting in Towns, Levine, Wiggins, as we've seen. So he doesn't need to be Ricky Rubio. He's a different player, but Ricky Rubio has the right idea and just get everybody else the ball. And if I don't have to shoot, I don't always have to shoot. I'm a poor shooter. So I mean, I'm not going to hurt the team. My read on this is good coaching and good organization, right? You, you talked about the question mark with Muhammad's uh, defense, with Levine's defense. They seem to be buying in. There was questions with Wiggins' shot. I haven't heard that conversation come up in the team zone, too. There was serious concerns with lim- you know limitations of Chris Dunn's game. They seem to either have fixed some things or they're working around them. Now, I'll be curious as the, the season goes on. Everyone's going to have film. Everyone's going to be working, you know, like working. The tape don't lie. Right. And so my my thought, too, there is, yeah, you're exposing Dunn a little bit by playing him right now, but why not? You have no other choice. Well, and make make the league adjust to him because then it's actually a learning experience for Chris Dunn, a young player. It's, hey, we're going to go to the film and show you this is what teams are doing against you. You either have to adjust or John Lucas starts the next trial game. By fi- trial yeah. by fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost shades of when Rubio got hurt in Orlando a couple years ago and they threw Zach Levine in at backup point guard. Yeah. Not necessarily his position, but it did allow him to go get some game reps, and, which can't be simulated, and learn in about what you have in Levine. So we're going to learn a lot about well, Chris Dunn in the time Rubio is out if indeed he ends up missing a good ball. Not only that, and I understand the argument, you're kind of tanking by putting Levine at the point guard. Well, Fair, fair enough, fair enough. I actually think there was a point or er, there was a learning experience there too though where Levine doesn't just focus on his role but everything else happening on the court because I think if he never has that learning experience he is literally just operating on his own because you know he'd be fine doing that he yeah. literally just wants to score which you want out of a player but I think he's actually learned how an offense works because of that experience I see that as hitting two birds with one stone get a good player in the draft and Levine improves you know you improve the talent that you have Chris Dunn will tell you, he said at practice today, that his shot is not where he wants it to be, and he showed off his sense of humor a little bit. Where you want it to be? Where I want it to be? Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere near. If I, I want it to be like Clay Thompson. 
I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's where I wanted to be. But, you know, I feel a lot more confident, you know. That's all it is with me, you know, just trying to get as comfortable as you can. You know, that's the thing with me. I'm confident in my game, you know, and each and every game I'm getting more comfortable with, you know, my jump shot, and I think it's going to fall a lot more. So there you go. Chris Dunn believes he is going to do better in the area of shooting. Surprise, surprise. I, it reminds me a lot, though, of Media Day when he was asked a question of, I think it's like how he, like if he's going to be asking a lot of questions, actually, of the players, that the veterans around him, right? And it's not, he could have sat there. That's and, what I asked. That's what I asked. Yeah. I asked him if he's been asking a lot of questions. Ex- yeah. So great, great question. And he could have been like, he could have pandered to the whole media there and been like, you know what I ask, you know, Tibbs. 15 questions a game or whatever. Instead, he was like, you know what? I just learned by putting me in the fire. This is exactly, I think, what Tibbs will do. It seems to be the method that he learns best. I also like his answer there because you could have been like, yeah, I got, you know, I might have to start here. My shot's good. Instead, he's like, nope, you know what? My shot's not good. And I have incredible expectations if he really thinks that he's going to be, you know, like Clay Thompson. One of the most technically sound shooters in the league. I, 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 at the very least, and I understand that he was in college a, a lot longer than a lot of other players who, you know, rookies in the Clay NBA. Clay Thompson did three years. But I think it shows his maturity a little bit that he's not just wishy-washy or whatever. I think Chris Dunn is who he is, and I think that's actually great for a coach like Tibbs who seems to want exactly what Chris Dunn is. So um, I, I, I like his mentality, at least from what I've heard, you know, in a few samples here. You're going to shoot around tomorrow, right? Yep. So maybe we reconvene and do this again after shoot around tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that sounds good. The Wolves play the Grizzlies tomorrow, tip off at, at 7 at the Target Center. Uh, Denver on Thursday at home. Yep. Uh, one last note, and then, then we'll get out of here. Sports play-by-play analyst, Emmy recipient, Jim Peterson. I saw, I heard Jim that. Jim Peterson yeah. wins an Emmy for his work as a, as a play-by-play analyst working beside Dave Benz. He deserves so, it. So shouts to you, Jim Pete. Yep. One of the uh, you know, one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, at, at incorporating uh, modern analytics and, and analysis into uh, the Wolves broadcast over at Spock, Fox Sports North, which you can watch the, uh, which is where you can watch Wolves Grizzlies. Uh, until tomorrow, this has been Locked On Wolves. Subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Audio Boom for Tom Schreier. My, I'm Zach Bennett. Until tomorrow, so long. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.